have uh, repeated throughout Genesis, I am the God of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. There was an emphasis on um, uh, a covenant that God made with the patriarchs and that um, the sacrifices they offered were an expression thereof. So what's the meaning of this for us uh, when we look at these patriarchal sacrifices? Um, but one of the things is, you know, God established many things uh, in the Old Testament, uh, but he didn't need to establish from the beginning the impulse to worship uh, and further to sacrifice. It's innate in us. Our hearts long to serve him. Um, the same things that they sacrificed for, uh, we can rely on God for in prayer. Uh, we can ask him for, uh, or, or we can thank him for the blessings that he gives us, and we can also entreat him for help with all of our needs. Um, so let's do that. Let's seek God in our thankfulness, and let's seek God in all our needs. And also let's remember, as we discussed from the story of Cain and Abel, that the heart of the offerer uh, is important, um, that, that we must come before God with a humble heart and a heart uh, that is conformed to his will. Let's look quickly at the Mosaic Age. Um, and again, I'm going to throw a lot of passages out here, so... Uh, uh, but this is to give you an idea of, of the picture of, the, of sacrifice throughout the Mosaic Age. So in, in Exodus 20, verses 1 through 6, um, it's the beginning of the Ten Commandments, but specifically the first two commandments um, establish Israel's exclusive relationship with God, right? You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make any graven images. So these commandments are meant to keep them from idolatry. They're meant to keep them separate and special to God, consecrated. Um, in Exodus 20, verses 20 through, 22 through 26, we get laws concerning altars. Um, again, every part of, of sacrifice under the Mosaic Covenant we're going to see uh, is, is pretty strictly regulated, including the altars uh, that they would offer their sacrifices on. Uh, in Exodus 27, uh, verses 1 through 8, we have regulations around the bronze altar specifically. Um, and Crucial to understanding uh, the idea of, of uh, sacrifices, Leviticus chapters 1 through 5, where we have the five types of offering, uh, burn offering, peace offering, grain offering, sin offering, and guilt offering. Um, we have those prescribed and regulated in those first five chapters. Uh, in Leviticus 17.11, we get the idea that life is in the blood, which is going to be, which is very important to Hebrew culture, but also will be very important to us as Christians when it comes to the sacrifice of Christ. In Leviticus 18.21, we have the children of Israel forbidden from offering their children to Molech. Again, I mean, it seems pretty self-evident that it's wrong to burn your children in a fire to Molech, um, but it, it, uh, this was uh, something that was going on in the nations around them at the time, and it was another means of God keeping them separate, keeping them consecrated for his purposes. In 1 Samuel 15, Samuel says that God desires obedience over sacrifice. And as, as the Mosaic law progresses, as we go from, from the books of law, Leviticus, uh, uh, Deuteronomy, Numbers, to the books of history, to the books of poetry, to the books of prophecy, we see a further development of this idea of a relationship with God beyond, beyond just sacrifice. Uh, so in 1 Samuel 15, Samuel says God desires obedience over sacrifice. In Psalm 40, verse 6, David speaks of a relationship with God that is beyond sacrifice. Uh, in Proverbs 21, verse 3, 
Solomon says that God desires righteousness over sacrifice. In Hosea 6.6, Hosea says God desires steadfast love and the knowledge of God over sacrifice. And then finally, in the last book of the Old Testament, in Malachi chapter 1, verse uh, 6 through 14, we have the system of offerings has become so corrupted that it's completely disgusted uh, with their sacrifices. And let's actually just look at that really quickly. Malachi chapter 1. Malachi chapter 1, verses 6 through 14. Malachi 1, verses 6 through 14. A son honors his father, and a servant his master. But then I am a father. But then, if then I, I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear, says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests, who despise my name? But you say, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame and sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts? And now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us. With such a gift, with such a gift from your hand, he will show will he show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts. Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors, that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. From the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations, and in every place incense will be offered to my name, and a pure offering, for my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it when you say that the Lord's table is polluted, and its fruit, that is, its fruit may be despised. Its food must may be despised. But you say, what a weariness this is, and you snorted it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what has been taken by violence or is lame or sick, and this you bring as an offering. Shall I accept that from your hand, says the Lord? Cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it, yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. So we see, yes, God prescribed uh, these sacrifices. He regulated them. Uh, and he uh, he made provision for them. But there came a point at which the sacrifices weren't benefiting the people of Israel. The sacrifices that were being offered were polluted. Um, and throughout the Old Testament, we see uh, God's people desiring a covenant, personal relationship with him that goes beyond the sacrificing of animals. Uh, so as God formed a nation for his purpose under the Mosaic law, he prescribed to them certain methods of sacrifice. Um, and these sacrifices uh, fell under the categories, uh, they, they encompassed and symbolized, uh, you know, the civil, moral, and religious aspects of the Mosaic law. Um, so these all things are part of keeping Israel different, sanctified, as I said, from the nations surrounding it. That's the civil law. Uh, you know, and offerings were part of reminding Israel what is right and wrong in God's eyes, moral law. If you committed a sin, you would offer uh, a sin offering. If you had, if your sin had caused harm to someone, you would offer a guilt offering. 
Um, offerings were part of keeping the people of Israel spiritually pure and devoted to the true and living God. Um, again, that, that involves religious law. So why? Why, why were these uh, sacrifices offered? Well, the people were weak. It was legally established to keep them from idolatry. Um, but these, these uh, sacrifices, these systems were also a foretaste of things to come. Um, the sacrifice of Christ relies on the idea of an atoning blood sacrifice. Uh, and, and that idea is established within uh, the Mosaic law. Um, so as I, as I told, uh, I've told several people this, um, when we talk about the necessity for the Old Testament sacrifices, um, how much sense would it have made to the world for Christ to come and offer himself on the cross and, and offer his redeeming blood if there was no concept in the, uh, in the Jewish religious law of, of an atoning blood sacrifice? Now, I'm not going to put it beyond the capabilities of God, but it would have been a very hard pill for people to swallow because that wasn't a pre-existing idea at the time. Um, but, of course, it was because God established it with his people in the Old Covenant. Okay, meaning. What did these sacrifices mean under the Mosaic Law? Um, he had specific sacrifices for specific purposes, and you can see uh, Leviticus for a lot of the specifics of those regulations. But they were highly regulated. They were God-decreed, uh, a priesthood-governed, and the, they were formalized, uh, you know, worship and sacrifice. Uh, but God always desired a personal covenant relationship with those who would follow him. Okay, meaning for us. Well, for one thing, God calls us to be separate, uh, just as he called the children of Israel to be separate. Um, we are consecrated. We are called out uh, from the world for his purposes. And that has implications for us in the realms of how we speak, how we act, um, our relationship with our f uh, family and friends, how we socialize, how we make connections with strangers, how we pass our time, our, our social media behavior. And all of this together forms our reputation among both believers and non-believers. And that will have an effect on our influence both within the church and without. We never want to be uh, so separate from the world as to come off cold and unrelatable to those who might be seeking Christ through us. But we have to be separate enough that the world sees a difference in us rather than, than them. There has to be a necessary difference seen between followers of Christ and the world in order to draw the world to the example of Christ. Finally, let's look at the Christian age. Um, in Matthew 26, verse, verse 28, uh, Christ says that his blood is the blood of the covenant for forgiveness of sins. Um, in, in Luke 22, 20, Christ says that his blood is the new covenant. Uh, John 1, 29, Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John 3, 16, Christ's death is an extension of God's love toward us. It's an expression of mercy. 325, Paul calls Christ's death a propitiation by his blood. Romans 12, 1, individual Christians are called to present their bodies as living sacrifices. Ephesians 5, 2, our Christian walk is compared to Christ's sacrifice. Philippians 2, 5 through 8, Christ's sacrifice is an act of God humbling himself in order to save mankind. 
Hebrews 10, 26, Christ's atonement, uh, you know, isn't an excuse for us to sin willfully. Hebrews uh, 13, 25, confession of Christ's name is a continual sacrifice. 1 John 2, 2, Christ is the propitiation for the sins of the whole world. He offers universal atonement. So, with Christ's death, God provides for us a sacrifice adequate to deal with our sin. In, in one gesture, the Son of God wiped out the need for offerings related to the guilt of sin. So those would be the sin offerings, the guilt offerings. And he, being the perfect Son of God, was the only uh, sacrifice necessary. Why? Um, human beings are unable to save themselves through sacrifice for sin. Only uh, the blood of Christ would suffice. This is the idea that he is a propitiation for our sins, that he offers himself in our place. Meaning, the meaning of, of, of sacrifice as it uh, is defined in the Christian dispensation. You know, the, the Hebraic system of sacrifices set a pattern, and then Christ was the fulfillment of that pattern. Because now the problem of sin has been dealt with, uh, you know, once and for all through Christ, we need no longer offer animal sacrifices to signal to God our repentance. We have a great mediator who intercedes for us. And not only has Christ dealt with sin, the international nature of the kingdom makes those Abrahamic civil codes, The uh, uh, again, I, I already said Christ's sacrifice uh, makes obsolete the need for moral sacrifices, sin offerings, guilt offerings, and also the international nature of the kingdom takes away, makes obsolete the need for uh, Abrahamic uh, civil uh, uh, law codes. And the meaning for us, finally. So the good news is uh, Christ has taken the sin uh, of the world onto himself when he died on the cross. Uh, the hard part of this is uh, Christ has called us uh, to bear our cross if we would follow him. So what does that mean? Well, it means we're going to suffer. Because Christ suffered. It means we're going to have to sacrifice personally, and I use that word intentionally. It means we'll have to give things up that we would do otherwise because of Christ, um, whatever form that may take. Uh, it means that we will face persecution. It means we will face intolerance from the world. You know, it means people will misunderstand us, sometimes intentionally. And it means that we will die and we must be raised anew as he was raised. So if we do this, we do these things, we give our life to him, we'll be able to give up anything that the world could offer us, even our own lives, for the sake of the one who has made the sacrifice for all of us. There is um, a question I pose, which is, what will you give to the one who's given you everything? Because nothing's adequate, right? You can't pay that debt back to Christ. There's nothing you could give him. But there's still a voice inside me saying, I want to serve God. I want to give him something. I want to offer him something. What can we offer God? We offer God our lives. 
sanctified for him. Let's look again at Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your, your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So Paul appeals to them by the mercies of God, because we've received mercy from God, present your bodies, our physical bodies, this life is what we're talking about, as a living sacrifice. They had sacrifices under the Mosaic Law, but they didn't have a living sacrifice. That's a new idea. Because the sacrifices under the old law were all about death. Think about it. Every time that you committed a sin, every time you violated the law, a living creature had to die because of what you had done. Can you imagine the toll that that takes on you over time? I mean, perhaps eventually you grow callous to it. Um, but the point is that there was immense death and blood and violence and morbidity associated with the sacrifices under the Mosaic Covenant. But Paul here is talking about a living sacrifice. How can you be a sacrifice that lives? It's giving your life to God, being holy and acceptable for him. We can be because God is holy, but that is our aim. We're constantly striving to be closer to the holiness of God and thereby being acceptable to him, which is your spiritual worship. Or other translations say, which is your rational service. Present your bodies a sacrifice to God as worship, as service, as your offering. And in doing that, in living for Christ, verse 2 tells us we won't be conformed to this world, but we'll be transformed into something new. Our minds will be renewed. Our minds will be made new. That by testing, we can discern the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The sacrifice that Christ made brings about a change in us. It brings about a, a reworking of who we are, of our minds, of our hearts, of our spirit. And when that process has come to fruition, when it bears fruit, we offer ourselves as a sacrifice to God in our lives, in every aspect of them, in everything that we do. You offer Christ your life to do with as he wills. Entrust yourself to him. Believe in him and the life that he lived and in the claims that he made. And the death that he died and the resurrection in which he was raised. That is the only sacrifice which can atone for our sins. And then when we confess on his name, when we repent of our sins, um, and when we make our covenant pledge to Christ in baptism, we're lowered into the water, washed of our sins, and raised up to a new life. And then we walk anew, a remade person, a new beginning. The road of sacrifice. It's a narrow road. It's a road that few will follow, that few are willing to follow. 
It's a road, the only road, that promises salvation, redemption, renewal of heart and spirit and mind. If you're ready to follow your Lord down the road of sacrifice, won't you make your wishes known to one of the elders? Thank you so much for your kind attention.